Last year, we were given a bread machine for Christmas. It was a fantastic present. It would have been a fantastic present any year, but it was an especially perfect present as we got ready for, not knowing at the time, lockdown. It was great during lockdown to be able to have this bread machine, and so our family got into the habit of regularly making our own bread. Bread machine's perfect for our family. You throw a bunch of ingredients in, turn it on, come back three hours and 15 minutes later, and there is some amazing bread. And so we got into a habit of making bread, usually once a week, uh, often on Saturday evening, and nothing better than piping hot, fresh bread coming out of the bread machine. And usually the first course of the meal was bread. Big, thick slices of homemade bread slathered with homemade jam. It was amazing. How many of you are hungry right now? (laughs) Yes, so good, so good. Well, we made lots of different kinds uh, of, well, so I should say this. In the recipe book they give you, there are lots of different kinds of bread. We only ever made two. The first is honey bread. And as you can guess, it's made with honey. It's fantastic. We tried one other kind. It was not nearly as good as honey bread. We went back to honey bread and that's all we make. Just amazing honey bread. And what I have up here on the platform with me are two loaves of bread that I baked yesterday in honor of Christmas. And they're gonna help us think through Christmas Um, hopefully in a unique kind of way this morning. Now, we are thinking about Christmas together. As a church, we're going through the book of Revelation, and we're at the point in Revelation 8 where God begins to pour out his wrath on the earth. That didn't seem as much like the right message for Christmas morning. And so as I was laying this out, I thought, Wow, do we really want to talk about all the wrath of God? And I felt like the Lord said, no, the purpose of Christmas is so that no one will have to go through those things. And so this morning, we're going to take a break from Revelation, and we're going to think together about the miracle of Christmas and the fact that at Christmas, God has made a way that even though we are sinners and even though we live in a sinful and wicked world, that there has been made provision so that we do not have to suffer through the wrath of God, but instead can experience life. This is the gift of Christmas. And so this morning, I'd like to spend just some time thinking about the miracle of Christmas. Now, when I say the miracle of Christmas, I don't mean Christmas morning. You see, in reality, there is no miracle that happens on Christmas morning. Now, we've got angels, we got shepherds, we got Mary, we got Joseph, we got Bethlehem, we've got lots of really amazing, wonderful things, but none of that is according to the Bible's definition miraculous. Another way to think about it is on that same day that Jesus is born, we have to imagine that thousands of other babies are also born all over the world that day. And the truth is, the birth of Jesus is no more or less miraculous than any of those other births. 
That on Christmas morning, what happens is a woman gives birth to a baby, which is wonderful and is celebrated. And Jesus's birth is rightly celebrated more than any other birth. But at the end of the day, it's still a birth. That's not any more miraculous or less miraculous than any other birth. See, the truth of the matter is, the real miracle of Christmas happens several months before Christmas Day. That's what we want to think about together this morning. So let me invite you, if you will, take a Bible. If you don't have one, there should be one in the rack in front of you. And turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. It's page 830 in the church Bibles. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to hear described for us the true miracle of the Christmas season. Luke 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary then, of course, asks the obvious question. How will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin? Mary's not had sexual relationships with any man. How is it possible that she could be pregnant? And in verse 35, we get the miracle of the Christmas season, described in just one verse here. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is the miracle of Christmas. This is the miracle, the angels, the shepherds, the manger, Bethlehem, Mary, Joseph, all the stuff that happens on Christmas Day, that is rightly celebrated, but no miracle happens on Christmas Day. The miracle happens several months before Christmas Day, and it is described here in just one verse. All the stuff of Christmas rests on what is described in this one verse. And what we are told in this verse, the angel announces that at some point in the future, 
the Holy Spirit will come to Mary and he will do something unheard of in human history. The Holy Spirit will somehow create within Mary a human baby with a human spirit and the Holy Spirit furthermore will open a way for Jesus' eternal spirit because Jesus is the second person of the Trinity and has existed for all of eternity past, very God of very God, the Holy Spirit somehow, miraculously, will open a way for Jesus' divine spirit to be united with this human baby and this human spirit so that on Christmas Day, the baby that is born will both be the son of Mary, fully human, and at the same time, the son of God, fully divine, so that in Jesus, the fullness of all of God's deity, everything it means to be God, all that goes with being God, the fullness of God's deity will reside in human form. Nobody's ever even conceived of, no pun intended, nobody's ever conceived of such a miracle. This is the greatest miracle in the history of the universe. There is no greater miracle and there will never be a greater miracle than this. You say, well, what about the resurrection? Resurrection is an amazing, wonderful miracle. But by the end of time, billions of people will have been resurrected in power. But only one will ever be both human and divine. And that somehow, God in his infinite wisdom and his infinite power has made a way for a human to have the fullness of God dwelling in him so that Jesus is at the same time totally and completely human and also absolutely fully God in one person. A divine nature, a human nature, somehow welded together in one single person. Now, how do you understand this? The thing that's so important to me and so interesting to me and the reason why I've made a big deal about the fact that the miracle didn't happen on Christmas Day is that this is not only the greatest miracle in all of history. It is a miracle wrapped in a mystery. It's mysterious because we don't actually know anything about the miracle happening. We have this verse which says it's going to come. And then we have Christmas in which Jesus is born. But we do not know on what day or under what circumstances verse 35 actually comes to be. The only person who's there is Mary. And we have no testimony. We have no description. There is nothing in the Bible that describes the moment 
of the miracle. And so what we're left with is this mystery, this great miracle that there are no stories about, that nobody tells us about, that the only person who is there doesn't say anything about, and we're left with a mystery. And so this Christmas morning, as we celebrate this Christmas this year, what can we say about this, the greatest of all miracles, wrapped and shrouded in mystery? Well, when Jesus grows up, one of the things he uses to try to explain the fact that he is both fully human and fully God is he calls himself the bread of life. This makes bread an apt illustration to think about this mystery wrapped in a miracle. When Jesus says that he is the bread of life, what he means is, is that resident in him is something that gives life. That in him, different than every other human being on earth, there is in him life. Now yesterday, I baked for you two loaves of bread. One of those loaves of bread is honey bread. I described it to you. The recipe is relatively simple. Let's see if I can remember it. 320 milliliters of water, four and a quarter cups bread flour, two, table, two, two, two and a half tablespoons of butter, two teaspoons of salt, two teaspoons of yeast, and the life-giving ingredient of honey. Now, the reason why honey is so important is because honey helps the yeast rise. That sort of gives life to the bread. And honey also makes the bread moist and sweet and delicious. And so I baked for you this morning one loaf of honey bread. I also baked another loaf that has all those exact ingredients except it doesn't have honey in it. And what Jesus is saying when he calls himself the bread of life is that he is human just like every other person is human. He is a loaf of bread, if you will, like every other human being is a loaf of bread. But in Jesus is an ingredient that is not present in anyone else. That in Jesus is the fullness of deity. That within his humanity, as part of who he is, God is present in Jesus. And the question is, in this miracle wrapped in a mystery, how do you know that this one human being is different from every other human who has ever lived? Well, I think these loaves of bread help illustrate the point. How would you know which of these two loaves of bread has that all-important ingredient of honey in it? Well, there's a couple of different ways. Number one, you could ask the person who baked the bread, which one did you put honey in? I'm the one who baked the bread, and so I can tell you with confidence, this is the one that has the honey in it. 
I was there. I was present. I put the ingredients into the bread machine. How do you know that this human Jesus has within him this all-important ingredient, which is the fullness of deity? Well, the Holy Spirit, who somehow put all of this together in the person of Jesus, tells us he was there. He is the one who also wrote the Bible to say the ingredients that went into Jesus was not just full humanity, but also the honey of life. That in Jesus is the fullness of deity. So that's one way that you can know is the person who baked the thing can tell you, here's the ingredients. And the Holy Spirit says, every other person, here's the ingredients that went into us. Jesus, there is one more thing. He is fully God, as well as being fully human. There's a second way that you could know which of these two loaves of bread has honey in it. How many of you can see a difference between the two loaves? Try as you might, and we tried. These are not the only two loaves we baked. It's impossible to bake a loaf of bread without honey that looks identical to a loaf of bread that was baked with honey. The honey causes the loaf to rise differently. It also, because of the sugars in the honey, will brown the loaf up in a different way than if you don't have any honey. So too, it is impossible to look at the life of Jesus and not see some major differences between him and every other human being who's ever lived. And so I invite you, if you want to know, does Jesus really have life in him? Did the fullness of deity dwell in bodily form in Jesus? I would simply say, pick up one of the stories of his life. We have four accounts of his life in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four gospel stories. And when you see Jesus, he looks like any other loaf of bread except for the fact that the miracles that he does, the things that he says, the character that's displayed, the grace, the truth, the love, the self-sacrifice, it doesn't take very long looking at the life of Jesus to realize there's something different in Jesus that the rest of us don't have. So that's another way that you can know that in Jesus the fullness of deity dwells. There's a third way, and this might appeal to the more scientific types who kind of like more proof, more objective kinds of things. There's an objective way to figure out which of these two loaves of bread have honey in them. You may not want to take my word for it. You may not be able to see a difference. Simply what you could do, now you got to destroy the loaf to do it, is you can cut a slice of this loaf, and you could cut a slice of this loaf, and you could burn both of them in a calorimeter. 
Calorimeter is designed to measure the amount of calories in something. You gotta burn it to release the energy. If you did that, you would find there is more energy in this loaf than there is in that loaf because there is honey in this loaf and there's not in that loaf. And just in an objective sort of way, the proof is, yeah, well, there's something in this one that's not in that one. The same thing is true for Jesus. While he walked on the earth, he said over and over again, if you want to know that life lives in me, put me to death and I'll raise myself back from the dead. It's objective proof, evidence, that there is something in Jesus that is not present in any other human being. No other human being has ever raised themselves from the dead. Jesus says, look, you wanna know? You want to know that I am the bread of life? You want to know that life lives in me in a unique way? Do you want proof that the fullness of deity dwells in me? Well, you simply gotta cut the thing open. You simply put me to death and watch what happens. And so Jesus was put to death. And as never happened with any other human being, Jesus then raises himself from the dead, objectively demonstrating that in Jesus is something that was not present in any other human being. That's a third way that you can know. Jesus raised himself from the dead. There's a fourth way you could know which of these two loaves of bread has honey in it. And that is you could taste them. They will taste very different. Trust me, I've tasted them. The honey bread is moist and sweet and delicious. The bread without honey, when you put it in your, it's clearly bread, it's edible, you can eat it. I ate one of the practice loaves on Wednesday that had no honey in it. It wasn't great, but it was still bread. But it was drier. It was more crumbly. It just wasn't as good. How do you know that Jesus has life in him? Taste and see. Come and try them. Now, the truth of the matter is, there's only two loaves of bread up here. But Grace and I, my daughter, who uh, did the baking with me, we actually tried a third loaf at like nah, six at night last night. So it got done at like nine o'clock. We thought, okay, well, this one looks so, this one looks so sad <laughs> compared to that one. I actually thought, well, maybe the illustration won't work very well because it's such a sad looking loaf. So we thought to ourselves, well, what if we tried to kind of simulate, what if we tried to kick off that yeast and get it to rise better by just adding a little bit of sugar? What if we just add sugar instead uh, and to try to get that to activate the yeast? So we made a third loaf with, uh, power, with, with sugar in it. That was worse. I took one bite of that and we just threw it away. It was terrible. The point is, there is no substitute for that thing that's in Jesus. And you may think that money or success or sex or marriage or popularity or beauty 
or work going really well or being a superstar in school or whatever it may be. You may think that that ingredient will give life, but it doesn't. And you can taste and see, and I can testify to you, look, you can try every different kind of ingredient you can, but there's only one ingredient that makes honey bread so fantastic, and it's the honey. And there are no substitutes. So it is with Jesus. And you can listen to my testimony, or you can taste and see for yourself. And what I'm saying to you is if you've spent enough time eating the dry, crumbly, not tasty versions of bread that are filled with human success or idolatry or materialism or greed or anger or pride or cravings or addictions or whatever it may be, the way you can know that Jesus has something different in him is you can taste and see. The miracle of Christmas is a miracle wrapped in a mystery. None of us were there when it happened. We don't even have the event described to it. It's simply predicted. Then we know nothing about what happened. And then this baby is born. What does this have to do with you and I this morning? Two things. One, for those who are here and listening, The fact that Christmas is a miracle wrapped in a mystery means that for those of us who are Christians, who know that there's honey in the bread, it falls upon us to help people to understand the true miracle of Christmas. You see, it's not a surprise that the whole world who hears the Christmas story, they're hearing about Christmas Day. This is why the whole world can have shepherds or angels or trees with stars on the top, or they can talk about mangers and they can talk about animals and they can sing carols and not come away understanding the miracle that happened. The reason that takes place is because the miracle didn't happen on that day. And that even though angels and shepherds and all of this kind of stuff, it's not enough to hear the story of Christmas Day to understand what happened. And so the world which is fixated on Christmas Day, even there is missing the fullness of the miracle. So it falls to us to explain to them, Christmas Day, that's just the celebration. The true miracle happened nine months before Christmas Day in a mystery that we don't know much about, but God the Holy Spirit created a human in Mary and united that human with the eternal divine spirit of Jesus so that on Christmas morning, what the angels and shepherds and Mary and Joseph are celebrating is that this baby that is born is both the son of Mary and the son of God at the same time. And that the events of Christmas Day are the opportunity for you and I to say something more about the miracle that happened that gave rise to Christmas. The second important point is for any who are listening or any who are here 
who have not yet accepted Jesus as God. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If you want life, you need to have Jesus. He's not just a religious teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a person, an historical figure that made a big impact. He's not somebody that said a lot of quotable kinds of things just like other human beings. There is something categorically, fundamentally different about Jesus. In Jesus is life. And that life cannot be found in any other human being. And that if you have Jesus, you have life. And what I'm saying to you this morning is, look, if you came down front after the service, and don't do this because I got another service to go after this, and you said, I really, I'm super hungry, I'd love a loaf of bread. Because I love you, I'd give you the honey loaf. That's the good one. That's the one that's got life in it. That's the one that makes me look good as a baker. That's the one you want. And I would gladly give it to you out of kindness and compassion and joy. When you come to God and you say to God, I want life. I want eternal life. I want life that means something. I want life that is fulfilling. I want life the way it's supposed to be lived. Because God loves you, what he'll give you is Jesus. Because in Jesus is life. And if you're tired of the dry, crusty, stale, old bread, if you've pursued the money, if you've pursued the relationships, work, school, success, all these things, and you're coming to God this morning and you're saying, surely there's got to be some better bread than this. Surely there's got to be something more. I want life. What God will give you is Jesus. Gladly, happily, overflowing with joy that you might have life. You say, well, how will he give you Jesus? The same way if you walked down front and asked for the bread, I would walk over and hand you the honey bread. And if in your hearts today, whether you say it out loud or don't say it out loud, say it under your breath, say it in your heart. If now or at any point, you in your mind's eye, in your spirit, you say to God, I want life. And he will gladly give you Jesus. The Bible says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is God, that Jesus is not just another human being, that in his humanity, the fullness of God's deity is present. If we confess that with our mouth, and if we believe that Jesus proved that he's God by being raised from the dead, then you will have eternal life. And so today, the all-important question is, Christmas has got lots of stuff that goes with it. Shepherds and angels and trees and stars and presents and Mary and Joseph and a manger and Bethlehem and songs and all sorts of wonderful things. And they are wonderful but they're the celebration. The miracle happened before that. 
And it was a miracle wrapped in a mystery. And what God is saying to you today, don't get confused with all the stuff that happened on Christmas Day. That's not the main point. The main point is, God did something unheard of in human history. He became a human so that in the person of Jesus, you have the fullness of life present in a person. And if you will accept that today, God will give you life. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, it is my heart's desire that you would please feed these people the honey bread of Jesus. Lord, I have tasted and seen that he is good. Lord, I have tasted and seen that he is different. I have tasted and seen, oh Lord, would you let them see that? God, I pray first for my Christian brothers and sisters. Lord, give us courage at the dinner table, when we're with family, when we're at work or school or asked what happened this Christmas. Lord, let us not rest simply on the story. Let us tell them the mystery that this miracle comes wrapped in. Let us explain to them that in the person of Jesus, something different was present. Please give us words to say. Give us opportunities to do that. And God, for those who are here who have not yet tasted and seen, who have not yet eaten of the bread of life, today, Lord, right now in the quietness of their hearts, as they ask you for life, would you not please give them Jesus? Would you let them experience the blessing and the joy of having salvation and eternal life that comes through him. I pray this in his name, on the basis of the authority and what he's done for us. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, Seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.